0: Welcome to the Serving Leaders Podcast, where we talk about health and ministry leadership. On this episode, Joe Watkins hosts Dave Wiedis on the television show State of Independence and interviews Dave on the reasons for and response to leadership failure. After listening, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate it five stars if you liked it. You can also go to www.servingleaders.org for more gospel centered resources and to sign up for a newsletter. To always stay up to date with serving leaders
1: if you lived in the early 1970s you'd remember that saturday night live skit about a fumbling stumbling president gerald ford if you're not old enough to remember the bit was written about president ford's seeming penchant for stumbling after a few famous trips on air force one ironically mr ford may have been the most athletic and well-conditioned president of all time former All-American football player. Today, we've taken the mocking of leaders to an art form. We have entire websites dedicated to parodies, some funny, some pretty cutting, of pastors and presidents, entertainers and other public figures. It's almost a national pastime. But if you're a Christian, is there a different set of responses we should have? Is there another way to look at a faltering leader? My guest tonight leads an organization called Serving Leaders Ministries, an organization focused on helping leaders who perhaps experienced a setback or worse, made a seemingly fatal mistake or moral failure to find the way back to purpose and mission. Dave, welcome to State of Independence. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's good to be with you. Yeah, what what a wonderful thing. I've I've had the blessing of attending some of the dinners mm-hmm. um, for serving leaders ministries, and it's a one. I've heard the testimonies of ministers who've had trouble, who've maybe had a fall, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I I suppose it it takes it takes somebody with a very special heart to to lead this kind of a ministry. There are lots of people who are Christians, or at least people who mm-hmm. profess to be Christians in the world, but yeah. not lots of folks who have a heart for folks who've Who've had a stumble or who've fallen? I mean, right. I've seen the response of some churches when when a, a leader has a misstep. Mm-hmm. I mean, their their response is is no less harsh than the the, the rest of the world. I mean, the outside right.
2: world. Right. Yeah. The the um, the church is known for shooting its wounded sometimes, right? And the last thing you see is redemption and grace. And uh, I guess my heart has always been for people who have been who have stumbled, who have fallen. Uh, of course, in our organization, our 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 goal is to help people not get to the point where right. they stumble and fall right. right so you counsel them before they before they get to that point Ideally ideally what we say is the best stories are the ones that you never hear about because we can intervene before uh, we like to try to revive pastors restore pastors and resource them so that they have the re- they have the resources to be able to have uh, to look into their own hearts and see what's go- what's cooking in there that could, create an issue, could manifest in a fall. So we want to do preventative work rather than triage, but we do also do triage. So pastors
1: like almost, like entertainers and politicians sure. are, are kind of like celebrities. I mean, sure. you really don't have anybody to talk to. Right. You can't talk to
2: folks about your personal life yeah. so much because, because of your public life. Yeah. There, there's a public persona and there's a public ministry, just like athletes and so forth. So there's, a, there's an emphasis on looking good on the outside and not necessarily from a bad perspective, but we all, we all manage our, our appearance, right? But pastors I think have a special place because they have such an important job. They, they minister to people, they love people, they serve people, they give of their hearts, but they also have to deal with their own issues. Yeah. Just like we all do, right? We all have our own issues, but add to that the added pressure of preparing sermons, doing funerals, doing hospital visits, uh, taking out the garbage if you're in a smaller church. You know, they do everything. And then they're put up on a pedestal, and people sort of impose on them their hopes and dreams, and they idealize. Now, so then what happens when a misstep takes place, a pastor falls? And that's where you get to your question, are you a gawker? Right. Are you, are you, are you going to look? Are yeah. You, most, you, people, most people like to look and talk and say, hey, did you hear? I exactly. mean, there are people that can't wait to get on the phone and say, guess right. what happened? Guess what just happened? Right. right, right. Or, you know, it's interesting. You have elders in a church who are supposed to be shepherds, right? And so when someone falls and makes a misstep, is their first impulse to become a shepherd and look, at the, look after the heart? Or is it to become judge and jury? Right. And to judge and say, oh, you know what? You're out. You're canceled. You're done. Right. So our ministry is all about coming alongside ministry leaders, pastors, missionaries, people who have public kinds of ministries and yet need a safe and sacred place to talk about their own issues. Now, so th- tr-
1: our churches are not, not always so forgiving, I mean, um, I'm guessing. So, you, 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 so you, you get a pastor who may have stumbled. Maybe they had some kind of a lapse of, of judgment and they did something terrible, right. certainly right. not in concert with their ministry or what they preach about. And the church says, you know what? We want them out. Right. And we want them out now. Right, right. Do you deal with just
2: the pastor or do you also have an opportunity to deal with the church as well? Sometimes both. Um, Yeah, sometimes that impulse is there. And I've dealt with a lot of situations where the church, people in the church or the elders become judge and jury. They want them out. They want to lower the boom. And they don't think, I think fairly, they, they don't think about what's the impact on the pastor, him or herself, What's the impact on the pastor's family? What's the impact on the church? What's the impact on the community? Um, and if they're taking this hard wooden approach where it's, where really grace ought to be extended, um, they sell everybody short and everybody is devastated by that kind of impulse. Now, I'm not saying that there are some kinds of failures that warrant dismissal or you, you, you get disqualified from ministry, but the first impulse ought to be what's going on in your heart that caused you to engage in this behavior? And I've seen it where, where churches don't do that and they come down hard. I've also seen churches where they extend a lot of grace. For example, I, I knew a, a pastor who developed an alcohol problem. And he, over time, became a full-blown alcoholic and he was hiding his bottles, but he was still you know, actively ministering. And at some point it was discovered and instead of firing him, the, the elders of the church, and people came around him, and they, they tried to help him. Get, they got, got him counseling, got him into groups, got him the help he needed. So he today hey, is a successful pastor. He stayed in that church, and they, they extended grace. And the thing that he said, which struck me was, he said, for, for 20 years or so, I preached grace to my church, and it was returned to me. Mm-hmm. They gave me grace. It wasn't soft grace. It wasn't, oh, pastor, do whatever you want. It was, there are boundaries here and, and the, you need to step up and you need to take care of yourself in the appropriate way. No more hiding, no more obfuscation, right? But that worked out. And I've seen a number of cases where um, that has worked out. And we're all about redemption, right? That That's yeah. the key, is yeah. redemption.
1: Yeah, we should be about that. I'm sure that some churches have a distance to travel before they get that way. Tell, tell me about, I mean, I'm sure the people viewing, all of our friends who are watching, are wondering about how the heart of Dave Wiedis got to be this wonderful heart. That, that, that cared because there aren't a lot of ministries like serving leaders yeah. ministries yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, there are ministries that are more self-serving where you raise mm-hmm. money because you, you you know you're taking care of you. <laughs> right. You know, there, <laughs> right. there are lots of those kind of ministries out there, but yeah. but but not so many ministries where where you're taking care of the of the of the of the caregiver of the pastor. Sure. And, and sure. what? So people would say, "Look at your incredible background. I mean, you know, right. you you start as a teacher." You're teaching at West Windsor Plainsboro High School right and, and, and then you, you go to law school and, and and you get a counseling degree along the way as well and you're in a law firm yeah and how do you get to so, so how does God move in the heart of somebody who's not an ordained minister yeah. to begin with yeah. who didn't go to seminary mm-hmm. to, to,
2: to start a ministry that ministers to ministers right well it's a great question Joe a Cu- couple of things. One is, after I became a Christian in my teen years, I, I would have a Jewish background. I became a Christian, started going to church, and I very quickly saw the underbelly of ministry. I became close to some pastors, and I saw some of the backstory of we're, what's going so on. So you
1: grew up as a Jewish kid, mm-hmm. and you accepted Jesus yes. as Lord and Savior. Yes. W- w- was, was that hard for your family when oh, you yeah. accepted, and, and were you at all... Were you considered dead
2: to the family by some? Or? Thank, thankfully, I wasn't considered dead, but I, I did get the "How could you betray your religion? How could you turn your back on being a Jew?" And I would say, "Well, I'm, I haven't. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a complete and fulfilled Jew." That's yeah, right. yeah. So, uh, and and beautifully, my brother, my sister, my mother, all came to know Jesus over the course of, of a number of years in very miraculous ways. It was amazing stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. So I saw the underbelly of ministry, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be better if people would come alongside pastors and ministry leaders and help them either after the fall or, more importantly, before the fall? Wouldn't that be strategic for everybody concerned? Now, how did I get like that? I guess I would say I know my own foibles. I know my own sinfulness. I know my own problems, and I've worked through them. You know, I'm a counselor who's seen a lot of counselors. Um, I've benefited from... Uh, understanding my own heart, my own inclinations, my sinfulness, and um, I, I guess I've developed a lot of compassion. So when I see somebody who falls, and sometimes people do really, really stupid things, right? They they go out and they, they you don't expect it from somebody like a Ravi Zacharias or, you know, those that's a sensational case, right? Um, but in, in other cases where someone goes out and has an affair or financial impropriety, I when I hear those stories, I always think to myself, what's going on in that person's heart? What were they longing for? What did they really want? And why did they turn this way to get it? And then try to extend grace and, and, and compassion toward the person who's sinning. Why? Because I've, I've engaged in sinful behavior myself. I understand it. Um, and again, I'm not saying this to excuse things or to justify or to just say, hey, easy grace here. You know, It's more about Let's shepherd people's hearts. Let's, let's come alongside and give, get, what we do is we give them a safe and sacred place to talk about the issues. And as I said, the best story is the one that is not told because it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, nobody knows but the, the Almighty, how many people were saved because of you, how many ministries were saved because of you, you know, reaching somebody before they became a, a, a statistic.
2: Right, right. Or, and even the better stories are the ones where there has been a fall, and then you see them back in ministry. Mm. Now, again, it takes time. It takes work. It takes a dedication. It takes honesty. You know, I'm, I'm not talking, to, I'm not dealing with people who are narcissistic and trying to get over on the system. I'm trying to deal with people who say, listen, I've really, I've, I've fallen. This is what happened. And I want to change. I want to repent and I want to walk, you know, in integrity. And so I could tell story after story of that kind of thing. And it's, it's very edifying. So I get something out of it by watching God redeem people, redeem mistakes, um, and, and you know just work in people's hearts and lives.
1: I, I saw, I, I heard uh, one of the people at, uh, at, the, at, a, at a dinner uh, for serving leaders get up and say that he had been a pastor and somehow or another uh, he and his church had a falling out and it ended up with him being separated from the church. I, I, I guess they... they Asked him to leave mm-hmm. to sort of step down, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, what was amazing was uh, uh, his 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 um, his his bearing because he, he was not he didn't seem to be embittered. But somebody asked the question of him, so did you get back with the church? You know, now that you you know you went through the counseling yeah. with, and you you were, you were helped by serving leaders. And and I think the answer was no. I, I didn't you know right. I did I didn't rec- I didn't go back reconcile. to the church. I didn't reconcile with them. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 the I'm a better person. I'm a sure. better Christian than I sure. was before this took place. That's right. Did that happen? And, sure, lot?
2: sure. That that happens. That happens a lot. We had one of the one of the things that struck me a couple of years ago was a pastor called and he said he had been dismissed from his church because of plagiarism, and you know uh, he had plagiarized a few sermons, and. You know, the, the, the consternation and the judgment, as you said, the gawking, it, it's immediate, right? How could you do such a thing? Well, all behavior makes sense when you understand context. That's something I like to think about. And there's a reason why he engaged in this. And when I engaged with this pastor, he was very honest about what happened. And he didn't make excuses. He said, I did this, and here's what was going on in my life. It doesn't excuse it. But I, I, I'm ashamed of what I've done, and I want to. I want to get better. I want to. I want to repent of it, and I want to do the right thing. And I worked with him for a while. And this this man is just. He's got such integrity, and it's such a great story because he's. You know, we all make mistakes. We all do stupid stuff, and there's redemption there. There's grace.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that's a. Well, your heart is uh, is is the right heart. Um, God has you right where you're supposed to be because. Uh, I know that the, the, the last Serving Leaders dinner that I attended, which was a wonderful gala uh, dinner uh, at, a, at a very nice uh, club, um, the person who spoke the least was you. That, that, that you, you, it wasn't all about Dave Wiedis, it was all about the ministry and the people,
2: the, the people that, that, uh, that you serve. It, we, you know, God has given me the grace to have a great team. It's, it's an amazing team I started 15 years ago by myself and added one by one by one now we have about 24 counselors on staff we have other people uh, who do amazing things and so it's a little bit like it's it, it's amazing for me to be able to say it isn't about me it's really not about me if it's about me we can all go home now because I uh, there's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing great here, um, but to see the team grow like that and serving leaders be able to serve so many hundreds and hundreds of ministry leaders, um, it's just. Uh, it's really a great story. Yeah, I could just tell by the love and warmth in the room.
1: You know, the nice thing is that uh, from table to table, you didn't know who people were, or what they did, and you couldn't tell by uh, the way they carried themselves, which I think is a is the real mm-hmm. mark of who we are as Christians. Um, God loves all of us, and uh, and 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 He doesn't uh, make differences, you know, based on station in life or right. salary or 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 status d- or status or education. <laughs> yeah. I mean, He loves us, and and that that's what was evident in that room that night, which is uh, mm-hmm. which I found to be wonderful and refreshing, and mm-hmm. which made me feel so c- comfortable and at home, you know, uh, in the midst of other believers. So I I just applaud you for that. Um, what is the? Give me an example of of of, of a of a of a difficult situation. Um, maybe a situation where it's known that the minister has been engaging in yeah. in in poor behavior, uh, right. but but doesn't want to admit it. He's not coming to you, or she's not coming to you. The minister's right. not going to come to you. Right. But somebody mm-hmm. has made you aware that you know this person's not doing the right thing, yeah. and and and. and
2: how do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, you can't help people who don't want help. And so you're right. The, the pastor who's engaging in bad behavior and doesn't want help is not coming. Sometimes churches come. And so, you know, I think a, a good adage or a good pro- policy is when there's darkness, you turn the light on. And I always say that abuse and abusive behavior th- thrives in silence. So oftentimes people want don't wanna come forward, they don't wanna talk about it because they don't want to hurt the ministry, they don't wanna hurt the church. But concealing stuff always backfires. It's like trying to squelch down a cancer by putting a Band-Aid on it and not, not looking. It's gonna grow. Right. So I, would, I usually would counsel um, people in the church to come forward in an appropriate way, not on Facebook, um, but to the appropriate people to bring attention to what's going on. I will tell you one other quick story here where a pastor was acting badly and I actually had to present it to the group of pastors, a presbytery. And half the pastors didn't believe this guy was engaging in bad behavior um, because they were sort of saying, well, there go I but for the grace of God. And I had to be a loud voice and say, here's the here's the truth here's what's happening. It has to stop, and so sometimes you get a lot of resistance mm-hmm. in those situations,, yeah. but the good news is that when people are know God as a loving God, grace filled God th- where there's redemption that's that's the beautiful story, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Dave, I think one of the things we know about too many leaders is that after we've seen them stumble, we realize that these women and men didn't have the kind of support and accountability you need and positions that often carry a high profile. Um, You know, you talk about uh, the accountability of of ministers, you know, you have these charismatic ministers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who are able to move people and sometimes people put them on a pedestal. But what about personal accountability? What, 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 what,
2: What, how do you help those ministers? Well, I guess the first question is do they want, do they actually want accountability or do they want an appearance of accountability? Um, who are the people who are gathered around them? Are they truth tellers? Or are they just there to build up the ne- an ego, right? And so the best, your best friends are the ones who's, who, who will be honest with you and give you true um, you know, true feedback. And wise leaders will say things like, can you tell me how I did? Or can you tell me how I impact you? What's it like to be with me? And um, I would hope the people that I work with actually say, Dave, you know, you, you're pretty arrogant, or you're, you're not so nice to be with, or you're nasty, or, you know, it's, it's good to be with you. You know, to get that kind of feedback is, you, you, can't, you can't buy that, right? You need faithful, loyal friends and people around you. And so I would encourage, I would encourage ministry leaders to have those people around you. Not, not people who are gonna say, that was a great sermon every time.
1: Right, right, that's and what most of us get.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, great job, great job. Well, that doesn't help anybody. Right. Um, I remember when I was practicing law, we were in a big trial in California and one of the lead attorneys said something like to the whole team, if you see me do something that is offensive or is going to turn the judge off, let me know. And he was doing things that I thought were offensive. He was talking to the judge and he'd actually turn around and then he'd come back to the judge and I mentioned it to him. And you could tell me, I could tell immediately he didn't want to hear it. Yeah. He was not interested. <laughs> and so pretty quickly, you can, you can find out. Yeah, yeah. Do people want the truth? We need to be truth tellers, truth lovers, yeah. and not be deceiving ourselves or enamored with ourselves or read our own press or believe our own press.
1: Yeah. Most of us want to be enamored with our, we, we can't wait to be in love with ourselves. Yes. Most of us are that way, I yes. think. Yes. So how, how do you raise money for this I mean this is such an important ministry and uh, and, and and what you do is is wonderful um, Thank you. How, how do you raise money for it? Is there a way that somebody watching today could sure. support
2: you? Yeah I mean its we're a, a nonprofit organization and so we raise money privately we people donate to serving leaders and so it's servingleaders.org is our website and if people would like to be, uh, partnered with us to do that. That would be wonderful, and that's that's you can go online and give. How how
1: much does it take to? to I mean, it, it takes effort to recruit people sure. to be counselors because you need qualified people who have the right heart. Right, and and, and 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 not
2: only qualified counselors, but people who are who are experienced in ministry because it's a specialty, right?
1: Right, because you wouldn't want somebody who's a novice, exactly right, right, who could easily be fooled by somebody who's really charismatic but not, sure. not such a great human being. right? right. You, you want right. somebody who, who, could, who could help that person. That's right. So it, it costs money to, to attract sure. those people. Sure. Uh, how, how do, how do you—so give me a ballpark of what you need to raise in a year to, to do this ministry. Yeah,
2: um, our, our current budget is a little bit—about no- 750000 to a million per year and that you know we have about 30 to 33 people on staff now not everybody is a paid you know salaried person but we try to run it very lean but it does cost money to keep the lights on it co- costs money to um, operate and uh, we try to give scholarships to as many people as we can who need it there are some pastors who come in and have a budget and there are many people, I, I've worked with pastors who, had, who didn't have enough money to drive, let's say, from Harrisburg to my office, much less pay. So that's where the, the money really goes to cover the costs of counseling, but we do more than counseling. Uh, we do, Scott, we do um, lots of seminars, um, writing, teaching, mediations. Amen, brother. Well, this has been a really important
1: conversation. I know that not too many people are asking these kinds of questions. I really do hope it helps many of you decide that lovingly challenging a leader is better than making fun of them online.
3: So let's talk to our great producer, Jeff Coleman. Well, the whole idea of preserving leaders instead of discarding them, I think is an important conversation. And uh, we are in this period of our national life as a country, as a state, where if you're on the wrong side of the, the red team or the blue team or you're not a member of a church, or you're not a member of the community, you feel comfortable mocking in social media, um, and all the rules then of Christian behavior don't apply. Suddenly, we're allowed to gossip, and we're allowed to bear false witness, and we're allowed to do all these things under this new construct. And I think what, what Dave is saying is the better path is to understand and to listen and to love People back to health instead of just being, as you asked, the beginning gawkers, looking at the 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 accident on the side of the road.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think uh, Dave Weidus's way is really uh, uh, God's way. I mean, uh, you know, God loves us, and uh, He even loves us when we stumble and fall. And uh, in the Bible, there are all these instances of Jesus helping people up who've stumbled and fall yeah. and fallen. And, and But as human beings, that's not our tendency. Our tendency is to want to look and, and, and laugh yeah. or, or, or point and, and, and accentuate whatever the mistake was. And
3: forget all of the times we've been extended grace and love and forgiveness that's right. uh, from, from people we've encountered. And that spirit and that attitude would change government. It would change churches. It would change the way neighbors interact with each other. But it's impossible to do apart from... The power of the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen, brother. You know, we're so blessed to have serving leaders' ministries here in Pennsylvania. Right here. It's not like we can say that there are serving leaders' ministries all over the country, yeah. I mean, but we have it right here, and I don't know of any others. That I hope exist. it's a model that that is replicated and, and changes the world. Amen, brother. Amen. At the beginning of the program, I asked you a question Are you a gawker or are you a helper? I don't think it's ever easy to be the person you want to be, which is, I hope, a helper but by God's great grace, uh, that's who we'll become. Thanks to my friend, Dave Reedus, for bringing his decades of expertise, serving those who lead to state of independence.
0: Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode at Serving Leaders Ministries podcast. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate it five stars. For additional resources or to find out more about our counseling services, you can go to www.servingleaders.org.